This is like being in an examination hall and in an examination hall a person is under many many restrictions. He is not free to do what he wants. He cannot walk around, he cannot talk to anybody, he cannot eat, he cannot claim that now he is hungry so he wants to eat so he must be allowed to eat. There's many things that he is not permitted to do and he abides by those restrictions. Why? Because he wants to pass. He wants to succeed. If he does not abide by those restrictions that are placed on him during that, during that period of the examination, that examination hall, then he's going to be failed. That aspiration that he has to become something, to reach somewhere, all that is going to be in the dust. So in order to succeed, in order to gain that, what he is trying to reach, that goal, that objective, he accepts all the restrictions, he suppresses all those desires at that time. There's a desire to talk sometimes, but he suppresses that desire, he doesn't talk, don't, won't talk to anybody. There's a desire to maybe eat something, he's feeling a bit, he's feeling a bit hungry, food is halal, 100%. But he suppresses that desire. There's a desire to maybe make a call, phone somebody, something he remembered, something might be urgent also. But at that time he suppresses that desire. I can't phone anybody now. And there are 1001 desires sometimes that might come to him at that time. But he, abi- he, abi- he abides by all the restrictions and keeps suppressing those desires. And to the extent that he suppresses those desires, it paves the way for his passing. He obviously has to make an effort also, he has to learn, he has to study hard, he has to come and apply his mind, put his entire effort into writing that paper properly. But together with that, there's a whole number of desires that he keeps suppressing in the process. In fact, long before that examination. He is suppressing many desires. It's close to the exams and friends are inviting him. We are going out for a picnic, for an outing, camping or whatever, fishing trip, many other things. And they are inviting him to come along. He says, well, exams are two days away, one week away. Now everything else is out of the question. Now I could apply myself and learn for the exams. But his heart is also desiring to join them. 
His heart is also wanting to be part of the fun. But he wants to pass. In order to pass what he's understood very well, that if he wants to pass, he's going to have to suppress these desires. And he suppresses it. Because the objective is in front of him. And this is just one example. In many, many things in life, we understand this very, very easily, very simply. The person whose own business it is, it's a very cold day, he's not well, the desire is to sleep. So cold outside, and he's not well on top of it, he's got a flu. So that desire to sleep is sometimes overwhelming, to remain in bed. But, if I don't open the shop today, there's nobody else going to do it for me. And if today the shop doesn't open, the whole day's sale is going to be lost. There's going to be so much of loss incurred. And then the customers might end up going somewhere else. They might never come back also. Because they might find a better place. So now despite that sickness, that illness, that cold weather, but what he does, he suppresses that desire to remain in bed. And he goes to work, he goes to his business, he opens his shop, whatever his job is. So throughout our day-to-day life, we are used to the idea of suppressing desires. We keep doing it. But unfortunately, by and large, we only suppress desires for the benefit of dunya. But the same principle that applies for the benefits of dunya, that we're going to have to suppress desires. Allah Ta'ala wants to give us the eternal benefits of Akhirat. For that too, the process is suppressing the, the, the desires that come in the way of this Akhirat. Of this eternal Jannat. Of the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala. And not just Akhirat. That this is, this is all just credit. Even the success of this dunya, whatever else we see is all just a deception. Allah Ta'ala says this worldly life is just but a deception, meaning a person sees his success in many things. Whereas in reality, it's not there. It's not there. It's not there. His success is in suppressing those desires which Allah Ta'ala has prohibited, meaning indulging in those things. And now he's been tempted. When he will learn to suppress those desires, that is the path to his success. Let alone akhirat, even in dunya. Akhirat is obvious. Now this is this whole test of dunya. This is the whole test of life. Everything is summed up in this reality. And this is what Allah Ta'ala mentions, Allah mentions, Allah mentions in the Quran Sharif. And in so many ayat this is discussed. This aspect of this nafs, which Allah Ta'ala has placed in this insan, which is an ocean of desires. This nafs is an ocean of desires. And an ocean, when a person dives in that ocean, then that can be, depending how deep that ocean is, and what dangers might be in there, what kind of very, very dangerous fish might be, sharks might be swimming in there, he, it can be fatal. So these, the nafs is an ocean of desires. But if the person keeps suppressing it, then he will keep progressing. He dives into this ocean of desires. That desire, each desire is an ocean of sin. So the ocean of desires is there in his heart. A human, we are insan, you can't deny this. 
Nobody will deny it. It's part of human nature, part of the tabiyat Allah Ta'ala has created in insan. But this is the test of life. And this is that suppressing of the desire, desire that takes him forward. And if he dives into that ocean, Allah forbid, that each desire is the ocean itself, an ocean of sin. So the whole effort that we have been given to do in this dunya, to succeed, to succeed in dunya and succeed in akhirat, is only one effort. In reality, it's only one effort. The effort of suppressing those desires which come in the way of the obedience of Allah Ta'ala. This is the sum total of everything. Any desire that comes in the way of the obedience of Allah Ta'ala, a person suppresses it. And he fulfills what the command of Allah Ta'ala is at that time. At the time of Fajr, the desire is to remain sleeping. He suppresses that desire, he wakes up. The desire is not to go to the masjid, to just perform the salah at home, because it's a bit cold or because whatever. But whereas Rasulullah has emphasized upon men, upon males, that if the masjid is one Sahabi asked Nabi Wasallam that I do I have to attend the masjid? Nabi Wasallam asked him, do you hear the azan? He said, yes, so you must come. So the emphasis upon salah with jama'ah. Now the desire was to perform it at home, but he suppressed that desire. He suppressed the desire to remain sleeping. He suppressed the desire to remain at home. And he came to the masjid. He performed his salah. Then the desire was maybe to go to some wrong place. He suppressed that desire. He did what is right. He's now in his shop, in his business, in his work, his job, his profession. The desire was to cut some corners, to do things which are not in order. But he keeps suppressing those desires. This is now the process in which he keeps progressing towards Allah Ta'ala. And where a person gave into desires, and right from the beginning we see the downfall. Desire, desire is not confined only to the desire of, for example, a person committing some haram in terms of the sins of like zina or stealing or lying. All these are major sins. But together with that there are many other problems also. Like for example, right at the beginning, right in the heavens, Allah Ta'ala created Adam and then ordered all the angels and whoever was with them, now you must make sajda towards Adam Iblis, he was also there, he was a jinn and this applied to him as well. But the desire to be one better than everybody. If I am going to prostrate in his direction, he will be better than me then. The desire to be one better than everybody else, that came in the way. He couldn't suppress it. The desire is involuntary. But that desire to engage it is voluntary. To suppress it is within a person's control. If he gives in to it, that's his choice. And if he suppresses it, that is his choice. Shaitan didn't suppress it. He wanted to be one better than everyone. Why should I bow down to anybody? What was the end result? Eternal damnation. Forever completely doomed to destruction. Adam and Islam's children came, Habil and Qabil, 
Now the desire in Kabil that no, I must not be deprived of what I want. I want to marry a certain person, it doesn't matter that she's not permissible for me, I must be allowed to do it. So just giving the summary of what the whole incident was. So as a result, that desire took him to the next desire. That now I must remove the obstacles of the way. What was the obstacle? That my brother Habil, this is his wife-to-be, so if I take him out of the equation, then my path is open. Whereas that was impermissible for him. But now he is planning his own things. Now one desire led to the next. Now this is that aspect. That this desire is an ocean of sin. Ocean of sin. Now he dived in it. He supposed to have suppressed it. He dived in it. One desire led to the next. Now first it was just the desire for that haram, which was not permissible for him. That marriage would never take place. But that now led to him to commit murder. The first murder that ever happened. In the Hadith Sharif, Rasulullah says that till Qiyamah, any murder that will take place, any person would be killed unjustly. Then the person who was guilty of that, he would also be sinful. And a share of that sin will go to Qabil. He set the trend. The one who does some wrong and he becomes the precedent in the wrong. And that's why this is very, very important as parents, for example, as people, as adults in our homes, who we might have younger people who are looking up to us, who are following, as people in our businesses where others are looking at us, what trend we said others might follow. person is in his home and how he's conducting himself, his children are watching. The kind of language he uses, they're going to use. When he gets upset, what he does and how he reacts and how he vents his anger and what kind of flowery languages he uses at the time, they pick it up and they will use it, they'll be sinful. He'll also be sinful because he set the example. And the one who sets the example, then he will also get the sin of those who follow that wrong example. If he sets the right example, he'll get the reward of those who follow the right example. So now he is conducting himself in a certain way, others are watching, those children are watching. They are seeing how their mother is being treated, for example. Or maybe the other way around, they are seeing how their father is being treated. They are seeing how people react in this home, how people we are supposed to look at, who we are supposed to take our direction from, what is their conduct, how do they handle themselves. Now they are following in the same footsteps. So when they follow in the footsteps, depending on what kind of footsteps it is, positive, then they will become a means of reward for the parents. And negative, when they follow in the negative footsteps, they will be sinful, the parents will be sinful. So in any case, this one desire leads to another. And that then becomes a cycle. The person sometimes thinks, I'll just look at some... Now that nafs is tempting him to look at something, but it starts off on some very, very... Subtle note. I just need just to look at the news. But he knows what kind of news comes also. All kinds of news. So now from news he gets into deeper news. And then all kinds of rebirth and slander. And then all kinds of the evil that people are involved in. That becomes part of news. 
So now he's taking the, his nafs is taking some enjoyment out of this news. So and so person, all people who are without imam, devoid of imam, they have no direction themselves. What is going to benefit us in reading about what this person did and what that person did? The person has no imam to start off with. He might be a so-called celebrity of the dunya, but what, what link do we have with it? What benefit is it going to do to us? But there's all these temptations of the nafs that it drags a person to read of this and what this person did and what that person's problems are and all kinds of gossip. But news is a whole combination of gossip generally. But this gossip, because it's now in the name of news, it becomes fine. And if somebody sees the reality, it's all ghibat also. To listen to ghibat is haram, to make ghibat is haram. So to read up that, what good is that also? But now this is all, it stems from this temptation of the nafs, of the nafs, these desires. And the person doesn't suppress that desire, that one desire leads to the next. And then now everything is in the press of the button, so he keeps clicking. But who's clicking? That shaitan now taking him one step at a time into the depths of sin. So therefore this is the need that a person has to become conscious of what is the issue that is taking place within him. How these desires are carrying him along and to learn how to suppress these desires. Imam Ghazali says that a person should regularly sit and reflect. He should think. He should ponder. He should talk to himself. Talk to his nafs. Because the nafs is where these desires are generated. The Quran Sharif declares this. The nafs, this is its job. It contains, this is its very nature. It keeps inciting towards evil. When it is not brought under control, when it hasn't been rectified, then its, then its, then its nature is this. Sayyidina Ghazali Rahmatullah says the person should be sitting and talking to his nafs. Now this is the ilaj. This is the remedy to these desires. What he should be saying to his nafs? The daily he should be talking to his nafs. That nafs, what am I? I am a traveler. I am a trader who is traveling. A traveling trader. One is a trader, a businessman who is at home. Well, today is not today, tomorrow. Sometimes he puts off things for the next day. But a person who is on a journey traveling and trading at the same time, every minute counts. Because just now the time to return home is going to be there. His booking is already there. The date of the flight is already booked. So now every minute counts. So now he's already planning in advance how to make sure every minute is used properly. No day can get wasted, no hour can get wasted. So this is the ajeeb thing Imam Ghazali Rahmatullah giving this example says the person should talk to his nafs that I am a travelling trader and indeed every one of us is a musafir in dunya. So we are all travelling. The difference is that that traveller who has gone on a journey to travel overseas somewhere for business he has booked a flight he knows the date. He's booked that flight one week away one month away whatever it is. We don't know when our flight has already been booked for us. That traveller can still decide sometimes to bring that flight forward to maybe even delay it too. Decided, no, okay, I'm not going tomorrow, I'll delay it for another one week. 
Our flight, we don't know to start off with when it has been booked. The flight to Akhirat. And when it comes, we've got no choice to decide that I want to delay into anything. When the time has come, There is no change of that time. That will happen. The person who's booked that flight, he's there for it also, sometimes he might miss that flight. Something happened, he got delayed, he was went to relieve himself, whatever, by the time he came, the flight was closed, he went away. He's there, he's booked, he wants to go to, but he didn't make it. This flight, he doesn't want to go to, he'll be gone by force. He won't have any choice. And it'll never leave him behind. He won't be able to hide anywhere from it. Now this is this kind of journey we are on. That Musafir still plans himself in terms of when he wants to go. We have no idea where we're going to go. And then now this person is a trader. What is his trade? Now to talk to nafs. That my prophet is to gain this everlasting blessings of Allah Ta'ala and this eternal Jannah. And the severe loss is if I end up in Jahannam Allah forbid. And the capital of this trade and business is my time. Every minute, this is my capital. If I use this time correctly, I use this capital correctly, I can use it to buy this akhirat by using this time correctly. Then I will be successful. And otherwise, if I just while this time away, any moment it can be, shop is closed. The doors will get clogged. Time has come, the shop is closed. Imagine a shop, a business that can earn a million a day. Suddenly the doors closed, can't open anymore. What a loss. I think about, but yesterday I should have kept it open too. But yesterday there was a chance. Now today it's forcefully, it's forcefully closed. Yesterday it wasn't, I closed it by my own self. Now the regret is too late. Likewise when life will suddenly come to an end, everything will stop. So this is the aspect of suppressing these desires now to talk to one's nerves and prepare that I need to now keep myself under control. Keep myself how under control? To remember this akhirat. To keep reminding ourselves of akhirat. Quran Sharif Allah gives us this prescription. The one who fears standing in front of Allah Ta'ala because he fears standing everyone has this knowledge every believer has this knowledge Qiyamah is coming every believer has heard that I am going to have to stand on the day of Qiyamah and give an account of my deeds we have all heard it we have heard it repeatedly but the extent of yaqeen and conviction that should be there that is not there as a result it gets forgotten or Shaitan puts a person in this deception that that's going to happen, you're going to have to sort yourself out, you have to sort yourself out, you have to sort yourself out before that. Do what you want now, later on you have to sort yourself out, make Toba and come right. So all Shaitan's deceptions. So if the person has this firm conviction, and together with that now, what will happen? And he restrains himself, his nafs from all the evil desires. Then فَإِنَّ الْجَنَّةَ هِيَ الْمَأْوَىٰ Then Jannat will be his abode. So now the person is tempted to look at some haram. He immediately reflects and brings the whole scene of Tiamat in front of him. 
I'm going to be having to account for this action on the day of Qiyamah. What was I looking at? Was it permissible? How did I dare use this ni'mat of Allah Ta'ala to look at this filth? What answer I'm going to give on the day of Qiyamah? This bounty of the eye, such a great ni'mat. The whole world put together can't give me this eye. Allah Ta'ala bless me with this ni'mat out of His grace and mercy. Let me close my eyes for 10 minutes and try and do my day-to-day things and see how difficult it is. Such a dangerous thing to do if a person doesn't know what he's doing. And Allah Ta'ala bless me with this ni'mat. And how am I abusing it? If I see somebody, I lend somebody some item of mine, lend somebody a pen, forget anything too expensive, lend somebody one pen. I just lent him one pen of mine which might be worth 10 rands. And now I suddenly see him is scraping some sand from somewhere with that pen. Maybe something got stuck on his cow tire or something, now he's using that pen to scrape that off. It will be something very upsetting. A pen is meant to write. Now what this person is using, I lent him the pen, he's got no appreciation, he's got no uh, concern, no consideration. He's using that pen to scrape. Or maybe his shoes now, something got stuck under his shoes, some walking, some, walking somewhere, some filth got stuck, he's using the pen to scrape that dirt under his shoes. He might be come extremely enraged, Allah knows bad, what not, we'll tell him. And maybe he might do something also. For what? For the tender and pen. For the tender and pen which is scraping some mud. For this priceless eyes and, and immersing it in that worst kind of filth and it doesn't matter to us. Allah Ta'ala gave us this gift and bounty and we just go on without any care using it in the way that Allah Ta'ala has completely forbidden. This is something to think about. But the person who is conscious on the day of Qiyamah, I'm going to have to answer for this. The person who looks at haram, hot rods will be pierced into his eyes. To think about this. The desire to listen to haram, that has come into the heart. Now to suppress that with the thought, on the day of Qiyamah, the person who listened to haram, listened to music, molten lead will be poured into his ears. Now to picture that scene. That Allah forbid on the day of Qiyamah now, the day of Qiyamah has come. And the line of people are already there. They have been called one at a time. And each person who had been indulging in the sin in dunya is being now tortured for that sin because he refused to accept that this is a great ni'mat of Allah Ta'ala is not to be used in the wrong way. What kind of torment and what kind of excruciating pain that would be. The person who is serious about bringing his desires under control will take the time to think about this. To visualize the scene. And one is in its in a separate time, in a dedicated time, sitting and thinking of this day of Qiyamah. And then when the temptation comes, revive, comes reviving this and refreshing this whole thing in the mind. Bring, bringing it to mind at that time. So I want to face that kind of fate. I don't want to be part of that line. So I'm just going to stay far away from this. The person who used to lie, what punishment is going to be put onto him? Now that desire to just say something, just lie about something comes. But The person who fears standing in front of Allah Ta'ala. 
But that yaqeen is there, that will become the protection. That will save him from just giving in to this desire to lie. Somebody is now in the desire to just sway or speak some vulgar, vulgarity. But again, the same qiyamah is in front of him. He now will be able to restrain himself because tomorrow on the day of qiyamah I'm going to have to answer for this. Every word. Allah Ta'ala says, say to my servants to speak that which is best. Not to use this great ni'mat of the tongue in all kinds of filth and evil and sinful things. In this manner all the various things we can think about and especially whatever a person gets tempted with. Sometimes it's the temptation and the desire for vengeance, for revenge. But that revenge now takes a person to what kind of, what steps he takes and how far he goes, what kind of, kind of, kind of zulm he then perpetrates. Maybe he was wrong to a point sometimes. But then when this anger develops, now that anger too is a kind of desire. It's an emotion. It's a desire now which wants to be vented. He doesn't learn how to suppress it. So as a result now he wants to give vent to it. But now he can't give vent to it. So it starts becoming malice in his heart. This dirt gets created in the heart. And now he starts desiring, desiring, desiring how to, first he desires the person, some, some calamity must come on him, something must happen. Nothing is happening, so now he'll try to do something. But then what he'll do, what was done to him, he'll do ten times more. So first he was Muslim, now he becomes a Zalim. So now that Zulm came from where? That Zulm came from not being able to suppress the desire for revenge. In the Hadith Sharif regarding Rasulullah Wasallam is mentioned, Man taqama li nafsihi abada. Nabi Islam never took revenge for his personal self ever, abada. At any instance. So all this comes back to this fundamental issue of suppressing desires. So one ilaj and one aspect that has been given to us in the Quran Sharif is this aspect of to sit down and ponder over Qiyamat. Ponder over the accountability of the day of Qiyamat. That I'm going to have to stand there and give an account of my deeds. To visualize this, to sit down every day, give some time for it. You've got time for many, many things. To sit down and think about this. There are many big things sometimes we want to do. But the essential things is to bring this desire under control. This will pave the way for all the good things. And pave the way out of all the evils. This is a starting point. We sometimes want to fly without having taken off from the ground soon. The starting point is this. To the extent that this will be brought under control, everything else will then follow. So now to take time to surround, to ponder over this. Day of Qiyamah has come, I am going to be questioned now. I have to answer for everything. What answers do I have? And then together with that in the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Islam the prelude to Qiyamah. Akfiru zikra hazimil laddat. Al maut. Excessively remember that which will sever all the pleasures. Death. How many a person has passed away on his holiday? He went for a holiday, he never came back. Now the holiday was so many things planned, all kinds of fun, all kinds of excitement, and all kinds of. Allah forbid sometimes, not talking about anything in particular, but on a gentle note. 
The kind of so-called fun and excitement people plan for their holidays is the fun and excitement of sin. And the sin outwardly has a kind of, some kind of excitement maybe, the deception of excitement, the deception of some fun. But the example of this fun is simply this, like a person, he's got a rash. And as a result of that, there's a very strong itch. And when that itch comes, then the person, the only way apparently he'll get satisfied is by scratching it. When he starts scratching it, he feels very comfortable. But now by scratching it, what happens? Does that get any better or worse? So now he's scratching it and he's feeling somewhat nice about it. So he scratches it more. And then he still seems to feel better about it. So he scratches it even more. But now by the time he scratches it even more, he's more, he's more, he's scraped the whole skin out. Now it's burning. They started off with excitement, the end result is a burn. Now the thing is burning, he's applying whatever, but that burn is already deep. So likewise, sin, it gives the deception of some fun. So now the person outwardly tastes something of that sin, he feels this is really enjoyable. So he gets deeper into it. Then the burn will start. By that time he's messed his life up. By that time his dunya is already in a mess. And Allah forbid he doesn't make toba, the akhirat is already destroyed too. So this is the example of that. Whereas that person who suppressed the desire to scratch, and he allowed it to heal. Now the enjoyment of health, that is permanent. Whereas the enjoyment of that scratching was very temporary. But not just temporary enjoyment, and temporary enjoyment leading to a very serious problem. So likewise, one is giving in to these haram desires. There might be a kind of temporary enjoyment in it. But it's a very temporary enjoyment. And that temporary enjoyment is a stepping stone to serious problems. But the person suppresses that. And he suppresses it and allows that to pass but doesn't give it to it. So what this, and then he makes an effort and gets the spiritual health by means of the zikr of Allah wa ta'ala, by means of the obedience of Allah ta'ala. That spiritual health, that enjoyment of spiritual health is permanent. That doesn't lead to any kind of problem. That only leads to happiness. That leads to that deep fulfillment in the heart. That leads to a sense of contentment within. That contentment doesn't require any material things of dunya. That contentment is a gift that comes from Allah Ta'ala to the obedient people in their hearts. Then with things or without things, he will have a sense of fulfillment. And otherwise, with all the things also, there will be a void. There will be a severe void. And the person will be constantly looking for something further now, to fill that void. And all kinds of so-called excitement and fun and whatever else, he'll be looking for one thing after the other. Because each thing now, he'll get bored of it. He'll need something else. And then he'll get bored of that, he'll need something else. And the person who has tasted the spiritual pleasure, the pleasure of spiritual health, then he won't look for anything else. That same Quran Sharif that filled his heart yesterday will fill his heart today also. It'll fill his heart ten years from now. It'll fill his heart hundred years from now. The same Quran Sharif. He won't need anything else. That novel the person read it once, he can't read it a second time. That enjoyment of that was finished, end of story. He read it one time, it's too much. 
And now he wants another one. Then the second one is over, now the third one. Then the fifth one. And that too doesn't seem now like anything really. Then now the tenth one. Allah forbid he got caught up into looking at some haram. Now first that much was now giving him that so-called thrill. But then that too becomes not enough for him. Now he needs to get beyond that. And then he needs to get beyond that as well. Now he can't have enough of that because that he needs to have that so-called thrill all the time. Because it keeps increasing the void. As a result, first he was hiding and doing it. Now he becomes shameless, he stops hiding too. Because now he, how long is going to wait for those moments to be able to hide? So now there isn't enough time to go and hide anywhere, so now he starts doing in front of anybody. And that void doesn't finish off. There is a, a disease which is called in Arabic Ju'ul Bakr. This is a documented disease, Ju'ul Bakr. That is a kind of disease where a person, no matter how much he eats, a while will come when he can't eat anymore, but his hunger doesn't get satisfied. His stomach is full, but he's still hungry. There's no, may, no more place to put any food. But that pang of hunger still didn't stop. Istisqa is another illness that a person remains thirsty regardless of how much and what he drinks. Now he's old, he's taken in so much of water and whatever else, he can't put in one more drop. But the thirst hasn't stopped. Now this becomes the situation with desires. That when a person keeps falling into those desires, that takes over like this Ju'ul Bakr and this Istisqa. Then no matter what he eats and what he drinks, that hunger stays, that thirst stays. No matter what he did and what he looked at and what he, where he went, but that just keeps increasing this hunger. It's a fire. This fire starts consuming him. Allah forbid, if the person hasn't had somebody to pull him out of that fire, he gets burnt in it. Burns to ashes in it. But the person who recites the Qur'an Sharif, he has his time, for example, to recite the Qur'an Sharif. He recited the Qur'an Sharif for half an hour, for 45 minutes. And when he wakes up from there, he feels a sense of fulfillment within himself. There's a contentment in his heart. There's some satisfaction. Obviously, he has to do it for Allah alone, not for the sake of any kind of feelings. But that is the gift Allah Ta'ala gives. The heart gets filled with the mood of the Qur'an Sharif. He sat down to make the zikr of Allah Ta'ala. For that 15 minutes, 10 minutes, he remembered Allah Ta'ala. Deep down from his heart. When he wakes up, he feels a sense of fulfillment. That person sat down watching that haram for one hour. Now he comes to eat, his mind is still caught up in that. He can't even enjoy his food. And the person is obedient to Allah Ta'ala. As a blessing of that obedience to Allah Ta'ala, that fulfillment that comes in the heart. That contentment and satisfaction that comes in the heart. As a result of that, he is able to truly enjoy even the ni'mats of dunya, the halal ni'mats of dunya. The halal ni'mats of dunya he will enjoy. Even if it's simple, it doesn't have to be anything extravagant. It can be very simple. It can be the simple food, but he'll enjoy it. And otherwise, with the disobedience of Allah Ta'ala, the zulmat and darkness that falls on the heart, falls on the heart. As a result of that, it's like a person in a dark room trying to now fumble around. He's in a state of boldness. He can't enjoy anything in that darkness. So likewise, this person in the darkness of his heart, his heart, his heart, he apparently seems to enjoy the ni'mats. But he's forever looking for something else, which means he didn't enjoy it. So just a momentary thing. So this is where the whole 
issue lies that to the extent that a person suppresses these desires, and where this comes from, it comes from the constancy of the remembrance of Allah. It comes from this mujahada against the nafs, striving against the nafs. A person has de- made this determination, come what may, I'm not going to give in to this wrong desire. If I will let my heart break, let my, apparently it seem like I'll get sick, whatever it is, it will seem that my heart will just shatter into a hundred pieces, let that all happen. But I am not going to give in to this haram desire. The person who makes that determination, and then he acts upon it, Allah Ta'ala opens the way for him. Then that shattered heart, Allah Ta'ala fills it with the nur of his love. And that shat, In the hadith of Qudsi, Allah Ta'ala says, I am with the broken hearted. Broken hearted? Those who break their hearts for hearts for hearts for my pleasure. That they didn't give in to the haram, their heart broke, but they didn't give, break the command of Allah Ta'ala. So their heart broke, but they made Allah Ta'ala happy. Allah Ta'ala says, I am with them. I am their support. So this is the effort that we have to make and the courage to remain firm against these desires that comes from Sohbah from the company of the Ahlullah, from the company of the pious to the extent that we will remain in such company, to the extent that we will read their writings, listen to their talks, go to their company, to that extent this courage comes, this himmat this is something that transfers heart to heart it has never happened any other way some benefit will come accordingly from their writings, etc. But this is how it has always happened. Ya yuhalladina amanuttaqullah wa kunu ma'as sadiqin. Allah says, be with the truthful. This is how this taqwa will be acquired. And that is what will pave the way for this courage, this himmat comes. This himmat to be able to be firm against those haram desires and not get washed away in that flood, but to remain firm and swim against the tide. So this is the effort that we have to make. This is the path to our success in dunya and akhirat. So this requires that we take the time to make this muraqaba, to think about akhirat, to think about our death, to read the writings of the Allah, be as much as we can in pious company. And in this way, inshallah, we'll find that that ability to restrain ourselves from these desires will keep growing. And obviously that mujahada is inevitable. We are going to have to make ourselves ready for that mujahada. Come what may, I'm not going to give in to the haram desires. And Allah forbid, we slip and fall, we immediately make toba, shed tears of repentance, put something that will, upon ourselves as a penalty, that will cause some pinch of the nafs. Make 20 rakats, nafil, salatu toba, give few hundred rands in sadaqah, do something that will cause some kind of pain on this nafs, it will then come under control. In this way a person will gain the happiness of dunya also and the real blessings of akhirat will come for him. Allah tabarak wa ta'ala give us all the tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillah.